Turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. Hey you, time to get the final two films of 2021 done and locked in. We have not only the latest sequel from the Matrix series, Resurrections, on top of that, we got the new version of a more historical, fiction-based angle for the Kingsman franchise. Now, kicking off with The King's Man. So let's take one final look together at the films of 2021 before looking ahead to Scream or Scream 5, however you want to call it, and another Marvel foray into the multiverse. What madness! So now that we are all caught up on our non-Disney Plus MCU TV show things, let's go to the latest edition in the King's Men franchise movie that wants to give us a prequel instead of a sequel, and not just a prequel with Colin Firth and Michael Caine. If people forget, he was in the first one of these. Like a super prequel instead, all the way back to World War I with an entire new kooky cast of characters. If you've been seeing a lot of Harry Potter things in your life recently, either as TikTok trends or with the HBO Max reunion special, you'll be pleased to see Ralph Fiennes as the lead in this movie. Apparently Stanley Tucci's in this movie. I for sure don't remember who he is. And if you're one of those many people who love Aaron Taylor Johnson, this is not the movie to watch for you about him. He's barely in it. I swore he was Rasputin, but somehow that got lost in, in translation with what I thought and what was actually a reality. But highlights have to be also for a smaller role, but I love Charles Dance, who continues to be in all British things I appreciate. If you want a really good Agatha Christie adaptation with him in it and a ton of other British people, you know, before we see how Death on the Nile fares, go look up and then there were none. It's a miniseries. Also a, uh, a smaller but hopeful bigger sequel role is in this for Daniel Bro, who I still can't get over, as probably the best part of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Jai Moon Hanso also, um, I feel like I continue to see him and he pops up in all these movies I'm watching. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, but those are forever ago. We've been there, done that. But then there was A Quiet Place Part 2, and now this. Also, if you want a bigger, weirder role with Rice Ephons post-Spider-Man No Way Home, you can see non-lizard him playing Rasputin with that name drop. Yes, this is like historical fiction taking place in that World War One era where we, or at least me, did not learn a ton about it in school. I feel like in my American tutelage it was... American Revolution, Civil War, World War II, those were kind of the big three. Also, one more Rasputin part. Remember that animated movie, Anastasia, which was actually done by Fox and isn't a Disney movie? Well, because of the merger acquisition, it is, air quotes, a Disney movie, and it's a really good animated movie. Like the classics of old, great music, Rasputin's in it. Go watch it on Disney+. Plus If you have not yet seen uh, the animated Anastasia movie, it's very, very good. So, also one more actor thing. The villain from Pirates of the Caribbean 3. No, not the tentacle beard fellow. The small British guy, Beckett, who killed Norrington, plays three different royal siblings in this movie, which is kind of funny. A fun Pirates connection because that actor, Jack Davenport, was also one of the first to die in the Kingsman series as a whole. So the connections to the main movie are kind of loose, more 
cheeky references. The style is there, but with the time period being so much further in the past, some things just won't be as cool. The gadgets are not really there, and the infrastructure for sure does not exist, since the organization doesn't truly exist until the end. Also, the why of naming the uh, the code names for the different Knights of the Round Table does end up feeling a little bit forced and silly. I remember when the movie ended, I was less than thrilled with the eventual attempt to bridge the two time periods. I feel like at times this is an unnecessary addition to the lore with the build to a sequel to the prequel when I really wanted, you know, was some continuation of the Eggsy storyline. Maybe with Channing Tatum having more of an active role for the Statesman group of that. That being said, I did enjoy this for what it was, and the subtle references like, you know, Statesman Whiskey being a thing, and other tongue-in-cheek references, those were neat. But the story does have that style and action fight sequences that we want, and there's some emotional moments to it, some deep emotional cuts, which, if you know about this franchise, they get you every so often, especially the Mark Strong song in the second one to Take Me Home. What a, what a classic song, gotta say. So, the beginning is truly heartbreaking. You know, finds families on a trip uh, in a war in Africa where his wife gets shot and he gets injured, which shapes the course of action for the two men, Fines and his son. There's some real understanding of a father in loss wanting to keep his son safe from the world. Now, this does lead us to some conflict, but I feel like it always drags on just a bit. And the end conclusion gets us to... You know, a fun Wonder Woman-esque war set piece, but the jumps had me a bit at for a loss. I mean, I truly love the war and set piece things, but, you know, there's cool betrayal stuff, uh, the Archduke Ferdinand, history points were fun, and the stakes building was super neat to see. The shadow cabal of villains of the time period of history old were admittedly a little bit goofy, but it didn't bug me as much as maybe other reviewers made note of. The royals of three different countries and their reactions to make a fictional spy organization work in World War One was fun to watch. Those moments were the best. The spy, conniving, the sad parts. The franchise does those great. And of course the fights are cool and stylistic. The best of these have to come uh, when the full spy squad, father and son included, went into their, uh, you know, fancy train thing to go into and infiltrate this fancy Rasputin party, get some information, you know, have a fun party, cocktails and all that, and have an amazing weird fight scene. This has to be the most, like, everything I could have hoped for, and it's it's kind of what I've come to adore in this fun, younger, flashier, and crasser James Bond modernization. The army storyline had to exist with the time period, but once this Rasputin scene happens, it feels like this movie takes a fairly noticeable plot step backward. The retread of find a son wanting to join the army and not do cool flashy spy stuff is something I don't know if I super get. I mean, the battlefront stuff was great, especially the semi-stealthy knife hand-to-hand battle. That scene was shock rate and gave you mad anxiety watching. And after all that, the son, who could have been the main character in other movies, was this entry surprise death. All these movies have at least one. Even if the Colin Firth one was a fake out that was spoiled by a trailer, 
before people even saw it in theaters. I'm sure I've talked about this at some point in my history of this podcast in the first two seasons, but if not, here it is. Uh, the the marketing miscues in that uh, sequel and how amazing the build of the movie was, it made like the scene just hit so much worse than it was meant to be, I feel like. Like, there's this part where, you know, Eggsy kind of hears the voice of Colin Firth at a dinner, um, teaching him how to do the silverware, and you're like, oh, that would have been a really cool moment, thinking of him being dead, and, you know, he's having this flashback, but lo and behold, we knew he was alive the whole time, and that really was a huge drop-off. I've never been so... I mean, I'm happy we saw things in trailers. I mean, they say you go in trailers with your own, you know, you spoil things for yourself if you go into it and look at all these trailers. But what a what a disappointment I remember thinking how cool that was. I've never thought about a trailer and its impact on a movie nearly as much as I have that. Maybe some of the Marvel fakeouts, but they were clear fakeouts at that point. So in this movie, though, the surprise death happened so sudden by confusion and tension of his own war side and... Like, it was such a quick, like, headshot, and there was no chance of him coming back. That scene was shocking and one of the best ways, I would say. But the immediate aftermath did feel like a retread of wallowing in depression, and the movie really slowed down. Yeah, the part two team-up sequence is fun. It just slowed down before this, and the cool flash of, like, traipsing around to get to the final big bad hideaway is so quick and could have been the bread and butter of this movie. The villain reveal and eventual persona was a little goofy too, but the action in that last third was so much fun. Swordplay, shootouts, stylish fighting. They didn't really know what to do with Jai Moon Hansu at times in the final battle, but it was fun to watch. And the post-credit, if this has a sequel, will have more Daniel Brühl and Hitler, so something to look forward to, maybe. But the previous statement is what I would classify this movie. Just fun. It may not be as smart as it tries or wants to be, especially with how much I felt for sure the first one and the sequel to a slight lesser degree had. This is something that has cool visuals and some nice emotional moments, but you kind of have to turn your brain off at times, which is not what I was expecting going into this movie. But passable enough, which is more than I could say, on my first watch through of the next and possibly final Matrix movie. So before I get too into the Matrix Resurrections, I was absolutely disappointed in my first theater watch through. I have never been so disappointed except for like, I knew Space Jam 2 was going to be bad. The last time I was so disappointed in a movie, I don't know, maybe the eighth and ninth Star Wars is, I don't know, the Hobbits. I was pretty gosh darn disappointed about the Hobbits. Somewhere in the world. So it's been a little bit and it's been fairly far and few between going into something that you were so excited about and just it, something was missing. And I've heard super conflicting opinions about this. Like, I saw it in theaters the first time and I was just so bummed out and it feels like everyone, there's no clear, like, consensus. It's either it's so deep and great and it's so ironic and fun or it's... This abomination of the franchise, I, I don't know. It's it's very interesting, the, the polarizing opinions of this. It could be like Joker, in all honesty. You saw it once, you know, I, I guess it's good you saw it. I mean, I think Joker probably is a little better than this, but you probably don't need to watch either of those movies ever again, I always say. I don't know if someone's rewatching Joker on a regular basis. I don't, 
I don't understand how you, why you could do that. And I do like that movie, but food for thought. So had to, you know, I was so taken aback. I had to watch this one more time on HBO Max at home before it goes away, just to make sure. And what follows is my twice seen opinion of this movie now. So first, yes, I'm happy that Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back. I don't know if Jada Pinkett Smith did a ton for me and the reintroduction of the Merovingian was a travesty. His look and storyline was brutal. And yes, the original actors for Smith and Morpheus, Hugo Weaving and Lawrence Fishburne, are not present. That's awful, as they're two huge parts of the franchise. And no, I don't care about some random online game killing Morpheus being canon. Those two actors, not just characters, are integral to what makes this franchise what it is. I say that with the first being a classic, the second being fairly good, and the third being a bit more pedestrian. There's a clear correlation to more time outside of the Matrix and the quality of the movie in question dropping. The second time I've wanted Hugo Weaving back, but it did not end up that way. Him, Infinity War and Endgame. No shade to Ross Marquand, who has done some amazing work on the later seasons of The Walking Dead, which really hasn't always had the best long-term characters. I feel like he's up there with them, though. We will get all the new actors talking about them as we go more into the plot and the roles in the story. I'm not going to lie. Hearing the theme and seeing the green WB logo again, I was like very hooked. Early on, I was crazy excited for this movie with the green code, a similar feel to the first one. I mean, hacking stuff and a super cool remastered version of like the start of the first movie with Trinity, but a bit remixed. It just looks like a better done up first movie and some immediate Trinity stuff. It was interesting to see not a you know generic white agent, in this case played by Yaha Abdul-Martin II, our hybrid Smith-Morpheus-like character. That's the explanation they went with. Fake Morpheus. Let's go with Morpheus for short. That works for me. Also, it's kind of fun to see uh, Jessica Henwick in a different role. I mean, I'll miss her Marvel days with the Netflix crowd. She apparently could have been in Shang-Chi, but rolled with this instead. And she is definitely one of the more important characters in the story, especially for the new people. And she's involved in some super cool different styles of action sequences. And this alone leads to a super fun modern take on the process of people in the Matrix becoming agents in a special effect laden way. I'm very big on the rules of movies and what happens and doesn't happen. And, you know, what are the rules of Harry Potter, right? I'm curious to see what that stuff is. And You know, I don't love people changing their script, you know, decades later, right? In the same way that when Halloween wanted to do a cult or Friday the 13th wanted to change how the concept of Jason works and his how he keeps coming back, like, that stuff was so late in the game and it was just like, stop, I don't don't buy it. You can't, you can't add lore that late in the process as far as I'm concerned. But I was really feeling this movie early on. And I don't know what I wanted overall, but, you know, an updated reimagining in the super cool world was something I was invested in. Even the doorways to different parts of the Matrix code, super interesting upgrade to the rules of the formula. But it still feels true to what it is. I do love Yaha. He is great in Aquaman, and even I like him in this role. But this is no Fishburne. No one could ever be. 
I haven't liked the parts where the operator is a, you know, digital, physical construct in a matrix. The phones were cool in the original, but this was once again a cool upgrade. I think I really lose things when people are allowed to get out of the matrix seemingly much easier than before. Sometimes through mirrors, sometimes I just feel like they just can leave and that's it. That and having Neo be a, a game programmer in this world with a live Trinity is like in this boring everyday life it's weird to see it i mean i do love the coded languages and relationships of other matrix things being teased i like you know the lines of you know i've been raised by machines my whole life and you know they make you smile you know i don't know if it's like a haha or just like a kind of smile but they make you smile i have to say i kind of like jonathan groff as a villain who gets some like super fun smith lines and I feel like he does a pretty good job being overall menacing and smooth with the acting of it. But same thing, he's no Agent Smith. As someone who appreciates all meta things because of the Scream franchise, a super recent concept to bring up with the new one out. But the Matrix movies making jokes at WB and at the world, within a world, within a world, it's like bad inception. Also, for the most part. I don't know how much I roll with the Neil Patrick Harris role of this movie. The big bad in the chair, but much more in the open than the architect in the second movie. Also, they make such a fuss with the blue pills overall in this movie. Like, straight up, this movie has some huge letdown, slowdown moments of just seeing the monotony of Neo's existence and having everyone just talk about matrix things every time i see cool scenes from past matrix movies i wonder what am i missing there is a good artistry and thought-provoking thing in this entry and it has some interesting trauma exploration which you know you know i'm all about it the chemistry and love story of torture distance and eventual reconciliation is great both carrie and neo have amazing chemistry still and we knew this movie was going to have some fun questions about answering how how did you bring back neo and trinity who both fairly visibly died if maybe not neo for sure trinity somehow the one alive character the three is the dead one go figure now cool things and fun things do happen but they seem random and not truly predicated on anything prior forpheus in a flashy suit shooting up security people in slow-mo and doing backflips while fake smith fifth for short also picks up a gun and goes crazy face and starts saying agent smith words all of this is super wild and fun but it takes ages to amount to anything and if they could have found any way to use the initial actors and somehow make the story actually connect to the past i don't know even if it had the new actors and the old actors i would have been interested in something like that a cool scene that is over as quickly as it began Back to more therapy, you know, blue glasses therapist, NPH is up to, you know, no good. Also, the black cat being literally named Deja Vu is, if nothing else, good for, once again, one of those, uh-huh, ah-ha-ha uh-huh, chuckles. So my big problems with this movie mostly come from the new Matrix rules. Like I said, I want to know how the world works and kind of roll with it. I don't mostly like these new rules. But yeah, agents were literally sleeper cell people, which is fun. But having them look like regular people, I mean, that is a bit as if for me personally, especially the mob zombie mode. It's just a bit whatever for me, and I hate how much changes you know exist with everything. Speaking of changes, the new crew is 
particularly boring. I mean, outside of uh, Henwick, they don't do much in the first movie as well, you could say, right? But I feel like I remember those characters way more. Mouse, Apoc, Switch, and Cypher were way more memorable. Even Tank and Dozer felt better than what we have here. There was a rumor somehow that like Neil Patrick Harris would have been maybe Cypher somehow, which, well, neat, yeah, we probably didn't need it. Yeah, I like the fight sequences, even early on. Not because they are fighting random, generic, everyday-looking people, but there's that one moment where a rocket launcher goes through one Matrix world porter to the other one. And, I, you know, that moment was a cool thing. Pretty cool. Uh, way better than somehow using mirrors to exit the Matrix this time. It feels like there's mirrors everywhere. It should be easy. A lot easier than finding a phone booth, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, something is just missing. But the new special effects, uh, I will say, make the pod scenes much grosser and better, I guess you could say, in the machine world. And they do give us this look at Trini still existing in the real world, which is something at least. I can tell, you know, Yaha is having a blast in the role, rightly so. I mean, even having Forpheus and Neo Kung Fu fight, it's neat. But so many times... I see this movie and it just is some, you know, neat set piece moments that have random threads connecting it that I'm just rarely interested in. Sometimes this movie, you know, looks and is great. Other times I wonder why certain things are happening and I get legit annoyed. These Neo powers are way less cool and exciting. Instead of backflips flying and stopping bullets in a not lame way and tons of super cool fighting, mostly he just makes these jank looking force field bubbles that just look super duper lame speaking of lame the new uh human settlement well i like the disguise holographic thing it's kind of like they did with the wakanda entrance other than that though not cool super agent niobe is not at all like a character i care about the machines and her making strawberries and hanging out i mean i like machines that they can be good or bad making it more complex but we knew that already with the family in the third one i mean the way they got out neo of the city with friendly machines it makes way more sense than how he somehow got out in the first one i still don't really understand how he got in the first one maybe i'm missing something but that's one i've never quite got also somehow nobody ever truly acknowledges that forpheus is like not the real one especially neo straight up calling him morpheus just it all feels like it ruins the legacy of Lawrence fishburne who is an amazing actor especially in this franchise one thing I really do like, shortly uh, introduced from Sensate, a super strange, lovely Wachowski show on Netflix. The actor Max Remlet, who was probably the most action-based in that show, I felt like he would have probably transferred to the Matrix universe the best out of the three, I think, that were in there. Happy he exists and gets at least a little action screen time. Short point, but had to make it. I really do wish maybe some more of the original crew fatalities occurred, especially when they mentioned it as like, oh, he's going to get us all killed. Like, it just felt like there were no stakes so much and so many times in this movie. I really do love Smith in this world, or fifth. You know, he's a menacing figure, especially just talking about being conflicting. And as cool as, you know, some of his scenes are, even as not being played by Hugo Weaving, the exiles look disgusting in this movie and like almost comedic and i get that it's the point they're exiles and all this stuff but 
you know, the Merovingian was one of the cool parts, the Chateau, those are cool parts of the second Matrix, and while people don't always love the second Matrix movie, there are some cool things in the second movie, and like I said, it just, this movie flies in the face of that at times, like, he just stands there looking horrible and saying words that you can kind of marginally make out, I mean, the fighting was cool for a time, but so many things were just a bit lost on me. The cool pieces were cool, but there was so much nonsense in between that just make it exhausting. I don't know how I would have found a way to continue the story, making it original and still fun. Star Wars Episode Seven, I felt like that did it fairly right. The latest Scream did it super right, more on that later. But this antithesis to a sequel and the Matrix as a whole, something just went super wrong. And I'm not just... Like, oh, this is a love story you just don't get at a smaller scale. Look, the continuation of Dewey and Gale's love story, like, that's good. I enjoyed that for five movies. But they, like, nerf Neo and do some super weird choices that feel like a bit of a letdown for someone who obviously liked the first one. But I still feel like I fairly appreciate both two and three, which I don't know if a lot of people would say that out loud. But at least you know where I'm coming from when I talk about this movie. The idea of tortured love powering the entire Matrix is also like... That's silly. That's that's super dumb. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. It's not good. Also, how Neo is somehow slowed down more than Neil Patrick Harris in like a terrible slow-mo looking effect. Why? Why does this look so bad in 2021? I know it's intentional, but it's just weird choice to look bad. You know what? Even at times, I'll say this, Neil Patrick Harris is actually working for me. Not always, but that one actual evil reveal is is pretty strong. Much better than the finale moments with his character. One of the few uh, nostalgia blasts I did love was seeing an adult Sati. Not sure how amazing Priyanka Chopra Jonas uh, plays the role, but honestly the role doesn't get a ton of important scream time. But her existence did make me smile more than most things outside of the opening of this movie, which once again was the best part of the movie. Even the end conflict setup was kind of neat. Neo, Trinity, the new and less exciting crew, Neil Patrick Harris, all these military guards. But when that becomes a weird chase, even in the, you know, this no flying joke was kind of funny, but I super don't care for swarm mode. I love zombie movies. I love the first Matrix and the other two are fine. But making this a boring, slow zombie movie is just not for me at all. I do enjoy Trini getting powers and kicking ass for a short moment, even if, once again, some of these glitch effects are just not good. Like, I want to like this movie, you know, now and before watching it. I really wanted and needed a win here. And the end of this, you know, while the Smith final moments in the bar fights aren't all bad, the swarm mode stuff just you know, it's a dumb driving video game sequence with force bubbles. The nose-diving people wrecking cars while jumping out of building windows. It also was just kind of dumb. Now, I like a love story as a concept, especially the end game with Trinity getting powers too. I just wish Neo had cool-looking powers that he seemingly had in the first one. I don't want the same thing, but why do they look worse here? Why the force bubble thing? You know, overall, this movie was just not as cool and I wanted it to be cooler and better the end of them coming back to the matrix to threaten the new NPH leader 
that kind of harkens back to the first one at least also the post credit scene was a mockery of all things which at all times or at least sometimes this movie felt like too so the matrix resurrections has some interesting ideas and action set pieces the beginning really did excite me but some of these good pieces can't make up for some real rubbish that at times flies in the face of what makes the first one cool stylish and interesting and to a degree the first three the cool breaks can't help make the in-between parts and lack of hugo weaving and Lawrence fishburne worth it i might be done watching resurrections and having it in the same family as ignoring it as a franchise thing kind of like the amazing spider-man do so now that is done let's look at my true letterbox ratings for the spoiler alert they're going to be a bit more pedestrian reviews for things i really expected more from so we'll hit it matrix resurrection this might sound high for how much i talked about it down but i'll give matrix resurrections a three stars right now it could have been a 2.5 but some things i liked and maybe that's me really loving what the franchise is and not what this represents which kind of feels crazy but i'll give it a three for now could have been a 2.5 Kingsman, same thing I'm giving it a 3.5 now. Could have been a 3. I think I enjoyed it more because at least it felt like I enjoyed the story. Not every piece of it, but a lot more of the story overall. And I felt like at least the reason of it looking not as cool was because of the time period. But it still looked fairly cool based on the restrictions it gave itself with the setting it has. So, the 2021 final wrap-up, done. And while it wasn't closed out with the bang I had hoped for, there were some true gems in this continuation of strained movie productions with the ongoing pandemic. But fear not, another year is upon us and another chance for some absolute bangers. And boy, oh boy, I can't wait to talk about the latest Scream movie, which may actually be our first guest of this young season so far. So did you have a different take on either the first chronological Kingsman movie or the latest Matrix chronological film that I can't tell if I want to watch after this or just keep it out of my purview like I did with Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Kick-Ass 2 and the entire Hobbit franchise. Well, that's all for me now, and keep up with us on all social platforms, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and more on knickknack underscore IC and knickknack movies. So as always, until next time, cinephiles. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this, see you later, alligator.